You're listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by RICO, your local guide for all things real estate investing in Colorado. Today's podcast is taking a lot of the questions we've gotten from active investors around Denver, actually all around Colorado, and they're looking at their portfolio, which has had huge equity gains the last years and last decade, and rents have gone up as well. And now where they're sitting at their rental portfolio, they have some options. And with what's going on in the market, we have a lot of interest in people moving to passive investment or less hands-on investments with their active rental properties. So I have Lon Welsh with Iron and Capital here, who's built out a fantastic spreadsheet to go through a scenario of an investor with about a million dollars of equity in their portfolio and going through four options on what they could do with their portfolio. And some include paying capital gains and reinvesting the money. And this actually changed my perspective and quite surprised me. So I'm excited to dive in this with you. It's really counterintuitive. So I've talked to a lot of investors who, like you uh, mentioned, uh, maybe they bought five or seven years ago and their home price of their rental property has doubled in value and their rents are up maybe 30%. And you know, 30% increase in rents in five or six years is historically phenomenal, right? Uh, but to double your investment value in just five years is uh, just off the chart. So uh, we've got a real great first world problem. I've got all this equity. Am I really using it in the best possible way? So I want to show you um, four different things here. I think that we're all sort of born with this hatred of the IRS that, you know, everything I could possibly do to minimize taxes is always the best answer. Uh, This is actually a situation where that that proves not to be true. So the four options I want to talk about today are what if I do nothing? I'm going to take my rental properties with a lot of equity and just keep them as they are. Uh, The next option is I'm going to sell them and pay the capital gains, and I'm going to walk through that in a little bit more detail, and invest it in a passive investment fund like ours at National Diversified Fund 5. Um, The next is I'm going to sell these things off. I'm going to pay the capital gains and build a stock and bond portfolio. And my last option is a Delaware Statutory Trust, a DST. So if you're not familiar with that, um, DSTs are a very passive form of real estate investing, and they've got an amazing advantage in that you can sell your old property, do a 1031 exchange, and not have to pay the taxes to put it into the DST. So they're frequently a very popular choice for investors that are trying to find something in a 1031. Uh, they're not able to find something in the 45-day identification period, so as a last ditch, they put it into a DST just to have something to avoid paying the IRS, because God forbid we would ever do that. So if you look at the notes, you can download the sheet if you want. I've got some uh, little details for you here so you can understand exactly what the assumptions were I used, because the assumptions really do matter a lot. So on the Delaware Statutory Trust, um, it has high costs, high fees, and low returns. I put in an analyzed return of 5%. Um, I talked to about a dozen investors who have DSTs, and that was the average that they told me they're receiving in their DSTs. So that's why I picked that. Um, for the stock and bond portfolio, I assumed that you would make per year. Uh, Why did I pick that? So if you take a look, the stock market since 1970 has been right at 10% annual returns. The bond market uh, since the 1920s has averaged 5.3% per year. So if you do a 60% stock, 40% bond portfolio, very traditional portfolio, uh, historically you'd make 8.1. So uh, option three with us on Ironton Capital, we've got a separate webinar that talks about the pros and the cons and what's involved in that. Uh, we're anticipating a 14 to 20% annual return with that. So I picked 17% as the middle value for us for that one. 
Um, how have we done historically? Our first fund is in the 20 to 22% range. Funds two and three are in the track of the 15 to 18% range. So to say 17 is kind of right in the middle. Uh, if you do nothing, I assume that you've mostly uh, paid off the property. Not so much that you've been sending all this money in, uh, but just that the, if the value of the property has doubled, and if you've just been making steady payments on your mortgage, you might only have 25 or 30% loan to value on this right now, and you've got a huge slug of equity that's trapped in there. But if you've only owned the property for, say, five or seven years, you still have a, a lot of years of depreciation benefit coming. And I assume that you'd get around 5% annual rent increases going forward. Um, and one question, I know a, a confusion point, I want you to clarify if like option four, because you said it was like, a, I think you said about 8% return, you assume for option four, do nothing or a 9% return. Yep. Um, can you talk about that? Because what a lot of investors see is they see their cash flow has gone up significantly from they yep. bought the property five years ago because right. rents have gone up, um, but they're actually making a lower return on their money. It's a mind principle. Can you give us a quick ex exp yeah. explainer on that? So uh, we should probably actually do a podcast where we talk about just that one question in about 10 minutes of detail. So what is here is um, you make you create wealth in four ways. Uh, you've got the cash flow from operations. That's the part that's the, the tip of the iceberg above the water that's easiest for you to see. You've got a depreciation write-off that's a tax benefit. You've got the appreciation of the property, which is the lion's share of the wealth appreciation over time. And then lastly, uh, every time you make a mortgage payment, the, the principal gets a little bit smaller as the, the renter helps you chip away at that principal balance. These are the four ways you create the wealth. So what's happening here is that um, I took it a situation where an investor bought a small single family for about 300 grand uh, several years ago. Now it's worth 600 grand. So there's 300,000 of appreciation. Uh, maybe they started with a loan of like 220 and now their loan is down to 150. So they've got $450,000 of equity in this property that's available. Uh, so I assume they had like two and a half of these. That's where the million dollars came from. Yeah. So the, the problem is that their rents have gone up, their mortgage is the same. Um, so their cash flow has increased during the seven years that they've owned the property. But now instead of dividing that cash flow on just like, say, an $80,000 down payment, we're dividing that cash flow by $450,000. So the way I like to think about this is that every time I renew a lease, I am buying the property from myself mm. at the market value that day. I think a lot of investors get stuck in this mindset, well, I bought this seven years ago for 300 grand. That's, that's how I have to do the math. That is completely the wrong way to think about all this. And you'll always choose the wrong answer if that's your thinking. You always have the choice when it's time for lease renewal. I could sell this property today and I could take my $450,000 out and go do something else. And these are the four most common somethings yep. that I see people do. So I did the math on all of them just so you kind of see what the implications would be. Great. Great question. And just as a note, we, will, we are going to do a much deeper dive in that return equity and analysis because it's a very important topic on there. And we'll be talking a lot more about that uh, in future podcasts. Yep. I've got a great example for it, too. I actually just helped an investor this weekend do that analysis. And he was shocked. Uh, so I'm, I'm, ex I'm excited to share this with your listeners. So um, so here's what we've got. If, if we do nothing, we've got a million of equity. We're not going to sell. There's no capital gains tax due. So the million dollars is still at work. And we're making 9% a year. And we'll show it in another episode, like where the 9% comes from. If I decide to invest passively... I'm going to sell the property, not 1031 exchange. So uh, typically when I when I do this analysis for investors, about $100,000 is what's due to the IRS. So I only have 900 grand left to invest. So that's the basis. So we have 100,000 less, but we're going to invest at 17%. In the stock market, we're going to have 900,000 because we'll have to pay the capital gains, but we're going to invest this at 8.1% per year. 
And then the other option is the Delaware Statutory Trust. No capital gains because it does work at the 1031, but the problem is it just doesn't give that much of a return. Mm -hmm. It's only 5%. So Einstein said that compounding interest is the eighth wonder of the world. The man who understands it collects it. The man who doesn't understand has to pay it. So what I did for you, I've hidden a bunch of rows here. So you can see it goes from row 16 to 24 and from row 26 to 34. I I hid those just so that um, we could focus on the cells that make the most uh, importance. Uh, If you review this at home, feel free to to unhide those. And all you can see is I'm I'm just doing the compounding interest. So I'll show you uh, here in cell C14, we're starting with a million dollar investable balance and we're getting a gain of $50,000, which is that 5%. So at the end of the first year, I've got a million 50. And if I repeat that four more times at the end of the fifth year of 1.2 million. And if I go for six, I'm sorry, five more years after that, at the the end of my 10th year, I'll have 1.6 million. So I can grow from 1 million to 1.6 million of wealth with the Delaware Statutory Trust. Um, If I do the stock market, I'll be making 8% a year instead of five. And you can see that my growth is, I almost double. I go from 900,000 to 1.96 million. So even though I had to pay the capital gains tax, this is a $300,000 better option than doing the Delaware Statutory Trust where I avoid paying the tax. Very counterintuitive. Um, On the other hand, you might invest in our passive fund making 17. So even though you've got that tax hit up front of 100 grand, by the time it's compounded at that rate, 17% for 10 years, you've got $4.3 million. Or I could do nothing and just let the chips ride as they are. I've got all this equity trapped in my house and I'll have $2.4 million of wealth after 10 years. So counterintuitively enough, you can have an extra $2 million of wealth by making the choice of selling these two or three homes, paying the capital gains, investing with us, and you'll be $2 million ahead. Yeah. And so this was, like I said, this was very counterintuitive to me and it's kind of making me revisit some of my, like my core, you know, I'll say go-to investing principles. I'm very much, I, I, I bucket my money. Yep. Hey, if it's in the stocks, I leave it in the stocks. If it's in my 401k, I leave my 401k. If the money's in a directly owned rental, I'll leave them there and just keep, you know, 1031ing and refining and, until I drop one day. Yep. And, you know, doing things like that after seeing this spreadsheet, and just, you know, other analyses, it's making me really think, you know what? You can't just get into that tunnel vision focus. Right. Every time you look at it, I need to play this near now. Hey, if I do take this, let me run this near of, let me pay money. Let me pay capital gains on here and look at reinvesting it. Right. Because that annual IRR, that annual return, that's really the key. That's is, what drives everything. Yeah, that's what drives it so much. So, I mean, Lon, I know you've done all sorts of investing over the years. Uh, have you ever sold a directly owned rental and just paid your capital gains, just take the money off the table? Lots of times. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my my goal over the last five years was to try to cut my active portfolio in half, and uh, I've did it. Um, and all, every one of those, I paid capital gains on. Um, so I, I guess you know the way I think about that is that capital gains are about half of the ordinary income rate if you're in a high tax bracket. And um, Congress, you might remember after Biden got elected, was threatening to actually raise the capital gains rate. Um, so it didn't happen this time, but it was a very narrow, uh, very narrow thing. Like one or two votes would have changed that. So if you're thinking that eventually you're going to sell and pay the capital gains, um, you might want to do it before there's a change in administration where you know they take it, it, it goes up a lot. Um, the other thing that the Biden administration was really talking about early on is that we might take away the 1031 exchange. And again, they were like just a couple votes shy of what was needed to do that. But that's not to say in the next administration, the 1031 just goes away. So you may not have a choice. Like this may have to be your strategy, whether you want it to be or not. 
you may not have the chance of doing a 1031 and you may be doing it at 30% uh, capital gains rate instead of a 20. Uh, so when I was thinking about the political environment, I thought, you know, I want to be more passive anyway. The rates are great right now. I'm just going to do this now. It's like pulling off a Band-Aid. And when I did the math, like, well, gosh, I come out ahead by doing this. So that made the Band-Aid not hurt a lot. Yeah. And this is, I know a lot of, you know, other investors are going through similar, you know, analyses right now with their portfolio. And that's something that I know you're always willing to talk to people about. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, you started past investing like about four or five years ago. Yeah. I started studying it five years ago and I really started in 2019. I made 35 passive investments nationally uh, between 2019 and early this year. And uh, what's great is I can take a look at the eight investments we made in 2019. Uh, of those eight, three are sold two are under contract and three will need another say, two to three years to go. And we're on track for like a 21% annualized return on that fund. Um, so if, if you pop, actually, let's just do it in here. Let's pop in 21%. So, so the bottom line number right now is 4.3 million. It goes to 6.1 million. So wow. you wouldn't think like going from 17 to 21 matters. Uh, it matters a lot, you know? Oh no, those small percents add up. Over 10 time. years. Like that's yeah. why Einstein said it's the eighth wonder of the world. Huh. Now, if you're an investor out there and you're kind of sitting on your portfolio, so you own some cash and trying to figure out what to do, reach out to Lyle, reach out to me. We love talking about this. I started seeing past investing about two and a half years ago. And last year started, I actually wrote my first check into it. So I don't have your experience track record yet, but I like it a lot. I'm doing more and more investments onto there. So we got lots of knowledge here. We can pick from Lon's brain and also always happy to sit down and look at, hey, what's the option I'm doing at 1031? from this property to another rental property as well. Yep. We have a lot of investors out there who are shifting their portfolio or moving some from act investing to pass investing, all sorts of layering strategies you can do on there. We are happy to talk to you about it. And of course, we are talking about some stock market returns, some tax consequences. Always make sure you talk to your financial advisor, yes. your tax professional, that's not Lon or I. We know real estate, uh, but we are not licensed to give you like tax and right. financial advice. Always make sure you talk to your team as well. Now, at the time of this recording, we were mentioning National Diversified Fund 5 for Arlington Capital. I think yesterday just officially closed. Yeah, we, Congratulations, uh, by the way. Thank you. Very exciting. Yeah, we raised uh, $10.5 million mm -hmm. in about six weeks. So I was really excited about that. So we'll have Fund 6 starting in early October. Yeah, so same concept. Very, uh, very similar, similar fund, actually. Yeah, very similar return expectations. So while we're mentioning that, we also have uh, future similar funds coming up that we're happy to give you all the details on. And no matter what option you choose, we want to give you the right data and the best data for you to go out there and make your decision. Yep, absolutely. So, Lon, thank you so much. This was a great spreadsheet, great knowledge. And of course, if you guys want to download a spreadsheet, just email us or go on the show notes. You can download a copy of the spreadsheet as well. Yep. And call us up to set up an appointment. You know, I, I met with an investor to do this analysis for him this weekend. I think it took us 25 minutes and it like kind of completely changed his outlook on everything. Oh, I know because he was uh, planning on keeping the, I think the property as a rental. Yeah. And now it's selling it, buying another property and putting, I know, putting some money into a passive investment as well. Yeah. It's going to be a good win for him yeah. and his family. Awesome. Lon, thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it.